Welcome to Making It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. Each episode will bring you an inspiring person to help you improve in all areas of your life. We'll be chatting with friends old and new who have incredible stories and experiences to share. We'll be listening to some of their obstacles and how they've shown resilience to overcome them. Each episode should give you value and influence and inspire you to your greatness. So uh, welcome to Making It Happen. Um, I'll be your host, Tom Dalton. I'm delighted to say we're on episode number seven. We're flying through them. And I normally do the introductions, but I just had a conversation with my next guest, Jamie White, and he's going to give his introduction to the podcast. So Jamie White, welcome. I thought that was a part of like our off screen conversation, but no, it's just I always, if ever I'm doing a podcast or if ever I'm speaking, there's these really odd uh, introductions and it's almost like teeing you up for failure from the very get go. Um, and I think, you know what, if you're having a conversation with somebody, there's probably no point introducing yourself because as, as the conversation starts to flow a little bit, you get a feel for that person. And that's, I suppose, the introduction that you pick up over the course of an hour. Um, or that's what I'm going for with this. Is that cool? That's cool. Go Sweet ahead. Deal. No, I just think I, I I just think it's it's actually nicer because sometimes those yeah those bios are maybe a bit outdated or uh, or maybe a bit overinflated. Definitely overinflated in my case. So if we're gonna go back to where probably your business bug, your entrepreneurial bug started, where did that begin for you? So this is challenging because I set myself a little thing. I said, I'm, if I'm coming in and I'm going to do a podcast with you, I want to make sure I don't give the same answers that I've given previously. And so I really have to think because this is an, a question I've answered the same way so many times. My business bug started, oh God, it's really, really hard. It started in parties. Okay. I hosted parties and uh, I didn't see them as business. I, it was fun that a really good business built itself around. Um, are we talking house parties, nightclubs? What are we talking about? Yeah, I'll probably stop trying to not answer the way I have. <laughs> it started house parties. And uh, well, when two or 300 people turned up in our back garden, parents boot, booted me out. Then I went to the local nightclub and uh, we were using social media to promote the parties. And that gave us a huge opportunity to scale. And after two, three years, we were hosting... Uh, 30 parties a week to 20,000 people every week. It was amazing. It was so much fun. Talk about that as a way to enjoy your college years. Um, it was something else. And when you mentioned social media there, this was the start, which was it? This was the Bebo days and it MySpace was, days. It was Bebo, yeah. It was Bebo. And it was it was great because when I first started working, um, I had a friend called James Joy. And James was amazing. He was really techy, and he uh, he found out how to hack Bebo. And so you could only normally post. Uh, so you could post on everybody's pages, but he created a little um, a little bit of tech that allowed us to automatically post on everyone's pages. So we were able to advertise really, really well. Um, but yeah, it, it started at Bebo. Um, or sorry, started with Bebo and quickly evolved onto Facebook. Then brilliant. Did yeah. was it your solely by yourself or did you have to build a team or that growth to 20,000 people must have been uh, yeah like it started um it started myself um and actually a friend called Charlie Brown uh the two of us were best friends growing up and uh and we wanted to we'd watched probably a little bit too much of the OC and you know um 
you know, in the OC, they had those really cool bands that came in. So that's where the killers showcased themselves. And, um, and I thought, geez, there's no, there's no, uh, cool student night out where you can go to listen to some of the bands and at the time the student scene here was really really good um like like the Cronas were just starting off there was a band called the man which were amazing um mary kate from fight like apes had a really cool band called soft cuddly toys uh, which you probably shiver in embarrassment if she heard now but they were amazing so there was all these really cool student bands and i wanted to bring them together under one uh, one venue and the venue was the Sugar Club and they only gave me the club uh, at 12 o'clock and that's where the name I started with was Midnight Events because they started at midnight. Um, so I started with a friend called Charlie. He um, he very quickly kind of realised it wasn't for him and then another friend, a guy called Mark, came in and uh, very, very kind of funny way how a business relationship starts initially. He was like, look, everything you're doing at the moment is crap and you're just going to lose money. I could do this so much better. And I was like, well, if you're going to, if you say you can do it so much better, why don't you come and help me? And, um, and, uh, yeah, just one thing led to the other and then a bit of momentum grew and then went from there. Wow. Um, and back then, like, was it Bebo sponsored post sponsored ads or was it there was no groups? Yeah. So you're thinking the business side. So no, there was, there was no, um, you couldn't pay for anything on Bebo or you couldn't pay for anything on Facebook at the start. Um, that's when you had a hundred percent, uh, organic reach. And, um, and if you had really, really good, uh, content, your audience would share it with their audiences and things would go unbelievably viral. Um, so it was a really, really cool time that, that word going viral was, it was, I only became familiarized with it at that time. Um, and yeah, it was so much fun because it really pushed you creatively. How, what are you going to do to make this stand out from your competitors? How are you going to make this same night that you've been hosting 20 weeks in a row a little bit different? And uh, and yeah, the, the, the reward was a good idea travelled fast. And if it travelled fast, it delivered people in the door. And if it delivered people in the doors, it filled your pockets. It's great. And did it come full circle where nightclubs and the rest of the country were approaching you? Hey, yeah. Um, so, so we, like when we, when we, so, so like, sorry, I, it, it's so funny because trying to just, it's picturing get, it, is it? Yeah. Get, get, get back to it. So my start was literally in my back garden, throwing parties, uh, that, uh, evolved almost it's funny it evolved almost simultaneously so i've told told the story so many times it's funny when you tell your story in business you oversimplify it so it'll travel fast so my oversimplified version of my uh business story into events is that i started off hosting parties in my back garden they outgrew that my parents kicked me out and i went to the local nightclub not really the case actually started hosting parties in my back garden Parents were really, really accommodating, actually. Let us have it. Mad parties. I got this idea from the OC. I wanted to host, um, I wanted to host that cool uh, kind of music band night. It was a real passion project. It did crap. I lost all my savings. Canned that. Still was hosting kind of parties in my back garden. Uh, came together with this guy, Mark, and another guy called John Mullins and created this, uh, we carried the name Midnight carried it on to New Year's and created the Midnight Ball on New Year's Eve. That was this huge event. Um, <laughs> I think it like cost 27 grand to run. Um, we 
sold the tickets and paid for it with the tickets and made 200 quid after it all. Um, but the actual success came when I took the parties that we were hosting in my back garden and threw them in the local night, threw, threw them in the local nightclub. Um, and so, I, you know, you kind of pull out a bit of the detail because hell, the story's too long to tell and it doesn't really add, add up as nicely as it, um, as it would otherwise. So you take, probably there's a bit of creative freedom with regards to my story. Oops. But. And did, how did you get on in college? Was this all during college? Awful. I couldn't concentrate in college. I hated it. Um, well, sorry, that's not all true. I loved one lecture, um, which really revolved around business case studies and problem solving around them. I loved that because it was real. It was practical. You could really get stuck in. But the rest where it was the theory of business, I studied commerce in UCD. I hated and, um, and I, and I, I loved, I loved these nights. And I loved, uh, as I said, when I talked earlier about with social media, that a good idea traveled far and did well for you. A bad idea absolutely can, and you do awfully as a result. And I just found that so, so engaging that that's what, that, that dragged me away from college. That consumed me. And I, I, yeah, I, I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't connect with my college lectures and I just dove head, uh, head first into those nights. And when you're running the parties, how did college times and teen times come about? Um, interesting. So, uh, so kind of what I was talking about in terms of good ideas traveled fast on social media and controversial ideas traveled really fast. And uh, the University Times in Trinity, I remember it well, they gave out about some of the nights that we were hosting. They were like, these nights are outrageous. They're disgraceful. They're wild. Uh, I was very inspired by Old School, the movie with Will Ferrell at the time. So there's lots of beer bongs. Uh, there was lots of like there's KY wrestling. There's no such wrestling. thing as negative press then with Trinity on your case. No, no, there was lots of negative press. But I couldn't believe that a student newspaper was giving out about student nights. Uh, I just thought it was ridiculous. And when I looked into them, I realized that the student newspapers were predominantly sponsored by the colleges. And so they weren't really, you know, for students, by students. They were more so uh, printing what the college wanted. Um, yeah, sorry, as simple as uh, printed what the college wanted. Or they were funded by external sponsors. And so they were very, very safe. And the more I looked at them, the more I saw a real opportunity where I felt, you know what, like college students in Ireland need a raw, authentic online magazine to connect with. And, um, and so we created College Times um, and we brought together a community of, um, of college writers and contributors and it was for students, by students. And it was really raw, it was really authentic. And, it's, uh, and in its uh, kind of initial stages, it did really, really well because of that. When, when you look back, I try and ask this to people on the podcast, is there anything you change? I wouldn't necessarily say regrets, but with, with that, I suppose, fast growth with the college nights and then into college times, is there anything you change on that journey? Do you know, it's a real safe, exa- safe answer to say, no, I wouldn't change everything and I'm happy with who I am right now and all that. But I, I, I think that's bold. There's so much I would change. There's so much I'd love to change. I'd kill to be able to go back and, uh, and use a lot of the knowledge that I have now and apply it, to, apply it to what I was doing then. Because really, like as things kind of developed, like at the height of it, we had 30 student nights a week entertaining 20,000 students across Ireland and the UK. We had between college times and teen times, 
um, an online social media reach of 100, 100 million um, and wow. a million people on the site every week. That's huge. And then we had a really, really good, um, albeit raw, uh, communications team that were working with businesses, helping them capitalize off the network we built up through the nights in the online media. And uh, and with the right business head on my shoulders, that could have been an extraordinary business. But instead, I was probably a little bit... Um, were you partying too much yourself or enjoying it? Was, oh yeah, I have to step away from that. I, you know, like I, I wasn't, I was partying a bit. I wouldn't say I was wild. Um, I was just inexperienced. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something really funny. Like I, you know, when you're reading about some of these young entrepreneurs that are on top of these extraordinary companies, uh, they really are the, literally the one in a billion. Um, uh, for me, it, it, for me, it was, it, for me, it's really interesting. I think looking at a, me sitting on top of a huge opportunity and just not being able to deal with it, not being able to manage it the right way. And, and so, yeah, when, when people are like, oh, are there things that you change? There absolutely are things that, that you change. Um, but there's no point, I suppose, sitting in the space of regret. You'd look back and go, God, if you had the opportunity, you'd love to change them. But you don't, and you sit with that. And to be fair, there's a lot of other les- lessons you learned off the back of them. And the exciting thing is to capitalize them and capitalize on them in the future going forward. And how did, how did, or is it still going? Did the college nights just finish off, or did you get out of that totally? It, it, so for me, I, I found myself doing way too many things. And, um, when I get stressed, what I've come to learn is that I, um, I really just pull back and, uh, and so, uh, I found myself managing essentially a communications company, an online media company and an entertainment business. And it was too much. And, um, I felt I'd, I'd done all there was to do in the event space at the level that I was at. Um, and funny, although it was a really strong earner, I felt I wasn't going to learn anymore. And, um, and so it'd be an idea to stop that um, and to concentrate on the other areas. And so I stopped the nights. I kind of, over the course of about a year, year and a half, I, I stopped them all. And, uh, and, and it was good to you. It was a good earner and you had a good a lifestyle, huge, a good balance. A huge earner. Not necessarily a good balance. The thing about par- throwing parties is generally the more you party, the better you'll do. Um, so that'll pull you, pull you into all sorts of spaces. Um, it'll also as well, you'll find yourself surrounded by um, all sorts of types. Some really nice people, but some really toxic people as well. Uh, and so... Yeah, I think it was actually a positive a positive decision to get out, um, but it was re- really hard because it was a fantastic earner. Uh, but if I was to navigate out of the kind of the space that I was in, in terms of all the different businesses, I had something had to give, and I needed to give myself better focus. Um, with that down, I kind of I um, I had sown uh, frustratingly some mistakes into the very fabrics of the business of college times and teen times that uh, frustratingly because of them, I wasn't going to scale to the the level I wanted to. Uh, And so the best thing was to sell. sell. And so I worked for a year or so to sell them off. Um, And Teen Time sold really well to Render Media in the States and College Time sold to Balls Media here. Um, And then I focused in on our marketing and our marketing was essentially, um, sorry, 
when I looked at our marketing business, what worked versus what didn't, social media was the service that worked. And, uh, and so that was about five years ago. Social media, five years ago, people looked at it very skeptically. They really, you know, they weren't 100% sure of it. I believed in it and I felt, okay, let's build an agency centered around social media, nothing else but social media and let's become experts in that space. And over the last few years, that's exactly what we've done. And we've built a really good business. We, we um, kind of really, really rebuilt it. Um, it's called Leading Social and it's fantastic. We work with some really good brands here and abroad. And, um, and so it's, not, it's nice to, to, uh, yeah, to be able to have navigated through all that and got to a point um, I suppose where you got your two feet on the ground, you've got a hell of a lot of lessons learned um, and you've got a nice bit of momentum to capitalize on then for going forward. When you when you talk, um, before we get on to leading social, when you talk about selling those two businesses, College mm-hmm. Times and Teen Times, if you had those now with those numbers in today's market and those social figures and those viewing eyes, wonder million, would it, would you would you be sitting on an island with Richard Branson right now, yeah. and I be talking to you over the phone? Uh, it, there was a crazy it, there, like there. We had crazy expectations on on, on it uh, when we got into it, and had we had played our cards right, we could have done really really well with it, but we didn't. Yeah. Um. And so, uh, it's funny. Um. Like. Uh, I, I said that thing, I, I sewed mistakes into the very fabric of the business that were irreversible. And uh, and that's funny. Lots of people are familiar with that in relationships. Um, um, and frustratingly, I had to realize that in business. And um, and so really, you know, there was nothing for me to do with those, with those uh, other than sell, um, unfortunately. Um, it's it's a, a funny thing in in startup business especially you know the, the the real thing is surviving your first year is everything nine out of ten businesses fail in their first year uh nine out of the subsequent ten businesses that succeed in their first year fail in their second year um so success is, is just literally surviving year two um uh selling for a lot of people a lot of people think when you sell whoa you make big money or anything like that actually sometimes the biggest relief in a sale uh, might not necessarily be the money that you earn but it actually might just be seeing what you created move on and uh, and moving on with all the stress that it had on your shoulders too so i did i did relatively speaking well but actually the biggest thing for me was being able to get my focus back um you know, there's this weird line that comes out a lot of the time in business uh, where they talk about the freedom that owning your own business brings. It's absolute bullshit. It's like uh, one of my friends described a uh, his experience in business and it was so, so funny. He said, Jamie, it's like my business is this horrific dominatrix and I'm curled up in the corner of a room trying to protect myself while this dominatrix routinely beats the shit out of me. And, uh, and for so many people, they can find themselves in that business, in that space in business where it can be really, really, really challenging. I'm not saying I was in that space, but I thought it was an interesting saying. Um, and, uh, yeah, anyway, sorry, I'll leave you with that image. No, just, um, I can totally resonate what you're saying there with business. Um, I think, especially with social media now, all eyes on you, it's, everyone's gone perfect. If people realize the amount of shit I've got to go through, dealing with customers, dealing with clients, knocking on doors to get business, but put, they just see the end result. To be of honest, put it back from that, just dealing with yourself. 
I don't mean that in any critical sense, but I actually mean I'd love if people were so honest about themselves. You know, sometimes you hear you watch those TV shows where people hear what they're saying, people are hearing what they're what they're thinking, like the shit that goes on in people's heads. Now, I actually genuinely th- think that yeah, the biggest struggle we have number one with ourselves, then all the other stuff around, and then whatever it is that you're looking to achieve, it's really challenging. I the great thing with working when I worked with yourself on the start summit was I could see the passion you had to execute an amazing event and you wanted to whoever to came to have a really good experience talk to us a little bit about you have a one day event that's probably eight nine hours right yeah what is the work like that beforehand that goes into an event like that oh so god i don't want to sound overindulgent but like to get yourself to the point where you can host one of those successfully as in not lose an absolute fortune um you need a hell of a lot of experience uh to put it all together it really like year one took us about six months of piecing it all together because you know if you want to um if you want to make sure you don't lose a fortune you have to negotiate really really hard you have to sell really really hard and in year one that is so challenging because you don't even have pictures to show people you have a graphic that you've thrown together for it. You have your passion to sell and nothing else. And if you're selling your passion, you can pretty easily come across as crazy. So year one is really, really challenging. Uh, year two is that bit easier because there's a bit of momentum. There's some pictures. So say, but at the same time, if you're going into year two, you want to double it or you want to grow it or you want to really develop it. So so if I was to say six months of pretty much uh, nonstop work for year one, that wouldn't be far off. If I was to say six months for year two, uh, that wouldn't be far off. Um, and at the moment, I'm actually, I just decided I'd press pause on all thinking for, uh, with regards to that for two months and um, see, okay, what am I going to do f- for year three? Um, it's a real, it's a real passion project, but for, in order for it to sustain itself, um, it has to grow um, and it has to do well as a business. So um, it's, uh, I think it's worthwhile taking a good bit of time to really think it through. But yeah, six months to pull that one off. Which is like in the grand scheme is that, and I'm going to say it again, like six months for a eight, nine hour event. I know, it's ridiculous. Like, um, and if you think like, look, I lost, what did I lose? No, actually we profited. We made about six grand. That's not including my wage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, like if you look at it critically, you're working six months to uh, s- six months um, to, let's say, break an event even, um, not including your salary. And then the hard thing is people love it. Jamie, when's the next one? Yeah. We want more. We want more. What's coming next? And you're like, well, six months of work has gone into this. <laughs> yeah. um, when you mention leading social, um, you work with brands to give them a social presence or explain a little bit exactly what you do. Uh, so the key thing is making social media work for businesses and actually for some businesses it doesn't work for them and it's actually been really transparent with those businesses and saying look your space isn't social media because a lot of successful businesses well, that's very honest media. yeah no it's it's honest but it actually it um saves disasters down the line but then for the businesses that do have opportunities on social media it's helping them actually realize it and the cool thing about when you realize opportunity on social media is you can do it in a really uh, measurable fashion where there's a really clear roi so it's very exciting for the right clients you can say you put in x 
and we'll give you 2x or 3x. Um, and I'd love to take credit for that work, but I can't. Um, the business has brilliantly gotten to a, a, a space now where it has its own management team. It's led by a fantastic MD, Colette, Colette Doyle. And yeah, they're, they're like the work they're doing is absolutely exceptional. And the, it's not just the work, but there's a really interesting culture that they're developing, which is that in the agency, uh, client work doesn't come first. Uh, individual learning within the business comes first. Like I know there's loads of cliche lines with regards to culture, but I actually think it's really, really interesting that the guys focus on their own learning first and the clients do really well from that as a byproduct. Um, a lot of businesses, it's the clients, the clients, the clients, the clients, and that that grinds people into the ground and they quickly leave. Whereas with there, they've built a really good community around learning, around sharing. And that's like social media is moving so fast um, that the whole competitive edge that we have is a team of people that are learning all the time, sharing the lessons they're learning and really enjoying that learning and then executing it on behalf of clients and the clients doing really well as a benefit. So yeah, they've, cre- they've created something really special and it's... Uh, it's growing and growing and there's some really cool clients on board and it's just cool. If I'm honest, it's really, really cool to just come in, see the team buzzing, seeing the people love their work and seeing the business grow. I'm sure five years ago, it was a different landscape with a yeah. media brand to what it's like today. Is it crowded the space and what you're competing against? Well, like five years ago when we started the agency, I had to beg. I remember there was a local cafe beside us and I was like, look, you guys will do really well on social media. Let me do your social media. They were like, no. And I was like, uh, no, there's really good opportunity. And I think it'll literally, it'll turn, it'll, you know, it'll translate to your bottom line. Let us do your social media. He goes, how much is it going to cost you? I said, 500 quid, no. 250 quid, no. Okay, we'll do it for free. Just let us show you off as a case study. Like that's how difficult it was to get the deals. Um, but, you know, we, we, we did that work. We showed ourselves off. We got good case studies. Their competitors looked on and said, hey, can we get can we get some of that? And of course, they perceived the value of that that little bit more than who we were doing with. And over a quite a long, challenging period, we built up our client base, but really raw. Like every client, we worked so bloody hard to get. Um, and uh, and and to be fair, every every lesson in terms of how to organize the business, how to deliver the service that we have for clients, uh, we had to learn the really raw, hard way as well. It was an interesting thing. Like I knew how to use social media exceptionally well myself for my own nights, but sitting down with a business owner and, you know, um, communicating what we were going to do with them, uh, understanding how to work with them in terms of ensuring, you know, they had pre-approval on everything that we did first, uh, in terms of reporting to them. That was all really, really challenging to learn. So it was one thing knowing how to do it myself. It was a whole other thing knowing how to do it for other people. Um, I've watched a lot of your YouTube videos and your, thing. your um, you love giving value to other people, whether it be an entrepreneur or just someone looking for self-development. Yeah. Was that big for you and still big for you? Hey, do you know what I love? Um, so I put a bunch of money into prize bonds because I love the randomness of it that just one day you'll... Are they still going? And just randomly you'll get a check in the mail for 25 euro or something like that. And it's it's amazing. It makes you feel great. And I love the randomness of YouTube. Uh, I don't necessarily like it when somebody I know uh, looks at me and goes, geez, you look like an awful tool on YouTube. But I love it when somebody in a country or place I don't even know 
sends me a mail and goes, uh, I just want to thank you for sharing that video. Um, uh, the quality's crap. You need a new microphone. <laughs> but there was something I connected with and I want you to know it really helped me. And there's a really strange, strange thing. I, uh, whenever I, I'm having good days, I never get any of that stuff. But whenever I'm having bad days, and I know this is getting into this space where too many people talk about it in podcasts, but it re- is really interesting that the worst days I have, I'll generally get a mail or two on Instagram or, or an email in from somebody that's seen a video or else I'll just get a random prize bond in. It's great. <laughs> um, you touched there just on good and bad days. Um, as being an entrepreneur, run your own business, the stress of having staff and managing staff and having managing directors, um, how do you manage the good and bad days? Uh, how do I manage the good and bad days? Um, if you would have asked me this like a year or two ago, I have, I had literally like 12 steps to, to optimizing myself. I became obsessed with this idea of biohacking. And, uh, and I, I biohacked myself into hospital. Uh, so I don't think that worked too well. Uh, honestly, like I, it, I find it really, it's, it's, it's frustrating that we aren't perfect. And I'd love to be perfect. Um, and there's this really attractive thought that we could be perfect and that if we drink loads of green drinks and we do loads of stuff that we will be perfect. Uh, but I, I, I've done so many green drinks and so much other stuff. And the fact of the matter is, I, I, I suppose the thing I'm starting to re- realize more and more and actually relax into is that you have good days and you have bad days. And so when you have a good day, capitalize on it like mad. And when you have a bad day, you're having a bad day. And I think on your good days, working and building your business to accommodate bad days is a key thing. So loosening up your schedule so that if you have a bad day, you're not going back to back in meetings. There's a bit of flexibility there. Um, that's hard to build on a bad day, but on a good day, it is workable. Um, and so how do I manage it? You just work with it. Um, but I, I, I think it's a really, really the interesting thing I'm coming to realize is that there's so much bullshit with regards to achieving perfection and not, you know, and avoiding, uh, those bad days. Um, those bad days are all part of life. A, I, I love, uh, Vanilla Sky, which most people would look at and go, there's no taste in movies, but Vanilla Sky, uh, for me, I look, there's a, there's a line within it. Um, you can't have the sugar without, uh, sorry, the sweet without the sour. And, um, and for me, the good days, sorry, the bad days make the good days great. Um, and, and yeah, you're just coming to terms, sorry, I'm going around in circles on this point so much, but for me, it's actually really, really cool realizing that, uh, that bad days are all part of, part of it and it, it's flowing through them and not trying to avoid them, actually embracing them. That's the cool thing. I was, um, it's interesting you say the good and bad days. I was, I was at a, I was doing a speaking event, uh, event recently and there was a lovely lady up on stage and she did a talk. Her son committed suicide very young, but 
she got a lot of questions in the audience and she said, she mentioned perfection, what you're talking about. And she goes, we all strive for this. But she goes, we've good and bad days. And she goes, what I do is, she goes, I have a little notice board in my kitchen. And she goes, I write things that make me happy. So if I'm ever feeling shit about myself, I look at the wall and go, okay, going for a walk makes me happy. Spending time with friends, doing the garden, whatever list was. But just a little reminder like that that basically we, we have to stop striving for perfection. I write letters to myself. Seriously. Let me see. Like a gratitude log or? <laughs> no, like, like uh, let me see here. Like, um, do, 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 do. if you're listening, Jamie's opening up his phone right now, just in case you listen to the podcast. Uh, for when you're shy, what are you doing? What are you thinking? You're being small, serve the world, no good. It's being stupid, selfish. You have so much good in you, so much to share, so much to give. Don't let nerves, shyness, embarrassment hold you back from standing tall, being your true and brilliant self, embracing life and sharing yourself out. You have so much good to give, so much value to offer and brightness to bring. Knock that shyness out of you. Get the fuck out there and do yourself proud. I re- re- like regularly write letters to myself. Wow, there's... Um you could reread that over and over again there's huge value on that really um i can't wait to listen back to that um yeah just writing some some things down sometimes your thoughts yeah so i like i keep a diary uh every day dear diary today was good but no like actually it's interesting keeping track of how you're feeling um and uh i love i i love having real conversations with people where you do ask them, I suppose the kind of piercing questions now that are coming out more and more in podcasts, but it's amazing how much you'll pick up from other people. Uh, I was at a, a really brilliant retreat. Um, uh, Mark and Paul, t- two friends that run Collective Dublin ran it. And uh, Mary-Kate Slattery was talking about uh, inner talk and uh, and she said, look, why don't we do a simple exercise? Why doesn't everybody in here open up about one thing that they think is holding them back or one negative thought process? And it was amazing as everybody shared one little thing, the, the strength that I found myself getting just from realizing that I had such similar thoughts to all of them, but there's such a normalizing effect of that. And as they normalize and you don't think you're so completely weird, you start to strengthen and actually build a huge amount of confidence. So it's amazing how much you get from conversations with other people. Um, I'm yapping on in circles here again. No, it's it's very interesting. Just on people and that are, would be, well, that speak and do conversations, you with your business have brought a lot of high profile speakers to Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Was that something that branched off from leaving social or is it something you always wanted to do or get it here? I I suppose a big motivating factor for me getting going in business is the opportunity business can bring. Um, I love the idea that literally the world is at your fingertips. Um, And... And so uh, I suppose I work hard so that if some opportunity comes my way, I can realize it. And so, um, and so I I actually end up doing a load of different different things because of that. But I suppose I watched the Wolf of Wall Street, the movie, thought that was cool. Thought, geez, it'd be fun to go on the piss with that guy. And, And then I was like, how could I get him over? And we were promoting all these nights. So I thought, you know, let's promote him as a speaker. And we did that. Um, went out with him. He was sad. He was crap. Um, probably shouldn't say. Well, no, no, he was. He was crap. Really, really disappointing person to work with. Um, 
better one to tell was Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary Vaynerchuk is really cool. Now I know a lot of people have probably had enough of Gary Vaynerchuk now, but I love him, man. I, you I love think him? his content. I, I, I re rewatch his stuff over and over again. I think it resonates with me a lot. I bring up his name as some people have heard too much or whatever, but geez, that guy works so hard to share so much out. And um, talk about gratitude or writing stuff amazing. down, man. It's one of his big things. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to get heat now for bringing how much of a fan I have him here. No, but anyway, no, no. he's, I, I think he's brilliant. And, um, uh, one of the guys in the office introduced me to him. We were setting up a social media agency. He's got the coolest one in the world. And uh, we were able to do a deal to bring him over. And that that, that was amazing. So, uh, yeah, like bring, bringing those speakers or bringing those pe- people over, um, it's just something that, I, as I said, I love the idea that your business can open up opportunities for you. And it opened up those two. The other big, like the, it's funny that the coolest one for me was Neil Strauss. Neil Strauss, Strauss wrote the book, The Game. Um, he's now got to live and die in LA, that podcast, which is doing amazing. But he is just, his mind is amazing. And uh, College Times opened up the opportunity for me to bring him. Actually, what am I talking about? The University of Life uh, brought the opportunity for me to bring him over and uh, host him in our offices to speak. And he was just, he was amazing. Great. Um is there any advice, Daniel? You're obviously talking about getting speakers in there, but just approaching people. Say someone's not in business, but they're thinking of networking with someone. What advice would you give? Human. Everybody's human. Um, I think it's really interesting that when you start, when you talk to, when you see somebody in TV or something like that, and you, if you want to approach them, you maybe over formalize things, or you, your nerves get the better of you, and you just come across as a complete freak. Um, that even if you talk to your best friends like that, they'd want to run a million miles away. Actually, realizing that people are human, uh, and that we all have our own issues, we all have our own problems. Um, I think opened uh, makes everybody else that much more accessible. Um, like like connecting with any of the people I did, I, most of them were just like an Instagram DM or, or, uh, or tweeting them. Um, and they got back or somebody else came back and, um, and then whenever they asked, okay, well, why should I get involved? If the reason, uh, added up uh, and made sense, they said, okay, cool. I'll come over. And if it didn't, uh, they'd tell you, look, that doesn't make sense. And to be honest, then most of the time, whenever I got that reaction, I was like, actually, yeah, that doesn't make sense. That's human. So yeah, I, I, for me, I, I, I've, I've found that really, really grounding and re- really, really, um, keep it simple, be yeah, human, keep it be simple, straightforward, be, human, be straight. Yeah. Jeez. Why are you interviewing people? I remember <laughs> this at the start summit, you got up and started speaking and you made a complete tool of me because you were so bloody good. <laughs> and here you are meant to be fucking interviewing me and you're speaking so well, I'm fucking repeating your words. This is Would dreadful. I actually, I'm getting feedback at the moment where people are like, well, you have someone interview you. So I'll have to do an episode once you mentioned, I'd love to know what's next for Jamie White and you mentioned the University of Life. Is that what you're going to continue to grow? Um, it's what I really want to grow, um, but it's making it make sense. And so I've taken, as I said, I've taken time off to really focus in on it and see how I can make it make sense. And I think I've got it. I'm not too sure. I've actually, I've launched the University of Life like five times. Um, and, uh, I, I love the name and I love the idea of creating a business that really complements me and my personal development. Do you know the way a lot of people, 
uh, there's this cliche saying that you work to live. Um, But in actual fact, a lot of people, uh, their work almost uh, consumes them and uh, and pulls pulls them away from living is the obvious one. But in actual fact, dulls them as a person as well. Uh, You know, they work so hard that by the time they get home, they're just so tired and stressed that they can't engage the way they could. It kills that fire in them. Um, the work is so niche that when they come out of work and they have a conversation with somebody, they're so bloody boring. Um, whereas I, I, with the University of Life, I really want to create a business that complements my personal journey um, in learning from other people, in growing as a person, and opens up doors in that aspect. Um you know, would you like to do an interview with the University of Life? Oh, that sounds fantastic. Yes, I would. Brilliant. I get to meet that person. I get to learn from that person. And at the same time, I get to share those lessons with everybody else as well. That's what I'm going for with it, but I just need to tweak it to the right um, to the right way that it flows. I, 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 there's a there's a great line from a movie. It was somebody commenting on a relationship and he was like, you know, if you have to work so hard for that relationship to work, maybe it just shouldn't work. And for a lot of time in business, people work really, really hard to make their businesses work. Um, and they just don't work. I really want to get this to the point that it flows and one thing leads to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next, and it grows. Uh, so I keep putting it out there, learning from it, pulling it back, rearranging it, putting it back out there and doing the same over and over and over. And I'm looking really, really forward to pushing it out again because I uh, I think we've got a much better, stronger and flowable uh, rearrangement of it. It's all about the flow. Well, like learn as you go. We're excited to see what comes. Um, I hope you are, Tom. I I absolutely absolutely am. Um, Through all the people you've met through your life so far, and the journey you're on, what's the best piece of advice you've gotten so far? Jesus, that's so difficult. Or is there anything that stands out? You might not have anything that stands out. But. Um, 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 on the spot now. Do you know what? Honestly, the, the thing about uh, what we touched on earlier, uh, which is flowing with your good times and your bad times, I love the way I'm trying to quote myself as the best bit of advice. I'm not, but what's 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 coming up in my head is that's the strongest advice. Because for me, I, I I fought bad times so passionately. I I think I put so much into fighting those bad times that I made myself real boring, um, and I got really really dull as a result. Um, whereas actually just realizing the normality and actually coming to actually enjoy those those bad times and indulge in them a little bit and then bouncing back into the good times i think that's actually really really good because i think i think there's um i i think probably people are very very hard on themselves hard on themselves for those bad times and avoid them with everything and that causes a huge amount of trouble um but if you can learn to flow with yourself uh, it's amazing. Oh God, I'm going to rhyme. It's amazing where you'll grow, but it is amazing. So many people, I think just spend so much time fighting themselves uh, and that's fighting, you know, the bad times, um, are perhaps a part of them. Um, whereas actually, if you can just flow and get in touch with your, with yourself, um, one thing leads to the next, leads to the next. And I think that's really, really exciting. That kind of authentic living, um, that was actually our whole theme for Fresh Resolutions was getting in touch with yourself, authentic living and growing from there. And, uh, 
And so that whole space, um, it's not necessarily a quote from an individual. It's just an overall theme that I think is the most interesting theme because I think we're distracted by so much shit. And, you know, we're, we're distracted by our jobs. Younger, you're distracted by education. Um, you're distracted by really crap TV. Um, and you're distracted by ridiculous drama and other people's silly, silly issues that are caused from the very thing, uh, avoiding getting in touch with themselves. Um, but that whole authentic, whole authentic living space, I just think, and that flowing with the good and the bad, it frees up so much energy. And it, it, um, yeah, and it brings so much opportunity as a result. So that's the whole exciting space for me. Brilliant. Uh, Look forward to it. Um, I'm excited. I'm like expecting your right hand to come straight across here. No, 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 no. No, no. Um, I am embracing all this too. I am. One of the greatest values I get from interviewing any guests is listening back because there's gems I pick up throughout, but when you listen to it again, I get so much more of it. And what you read out there from the letter you wrote or the note you wrote yourself, I'm looking forward to take something of value from that. Cool. Um, so I get a lot of out of uh, this podcast as well. I always think, can I say, I always think it's really interesting we're chatting because you're so bloody big. <laughs> and you've got the the stereotypical, stereotypical kind of um, like jock build, look, <laughs> feel. That whenever I'm talking to you, I'm always kind of nervous at sharing because I'm like, geez, you know, that's the guy that doesn't get it. But you do get it and you appreciate it, which is lovely. Um, and it's actually, it's really, it's really exciting because uh, I think this whole space, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's lovely that, that everybody's kind of getting in and sharing. It's, um, it's and being cool. open, I think, being, yeah, open, being honest yeah. and in flow, as you so mentioned. So I, I would have thought prior head on me, I would have been like, oh my God, he's completely taking the piss out of me with, with regards to that letter. But I appreciate that you No, I do, absolutely, 100%. And I'd say I'm not going to be the only one of our listeners that says that as well. Uh, We always finish off the podcast with a little bit of a lighter note. um, Some quick fire round, I like to call it. Um, Favourite movie? I think you might have mentioned it already so far, but do you have a favourite movie? Yeah, the one that comes to mind is, yeah, Vanilla Sky. Vanilla Sky. And is there a book, one of your favourite books, or you'd recommend? Fantastic, Mr. Fox. Excellent. Fantastic Mr. Fox, mm. which was the movie as well, which I saw. But I'm not I need too sure to about the movie. I never watched the movie, but the book was brilliant. Okay. Um, I know, not a great business book or anything <laughs> like it. <laughs> Is there a um, favourite place for a cup of coffee in town? <sighs> Jesus, if I didn't say network, would I get a stiff punch oh. across the back? <laughs> uh, I, I actually love sitting in the fumbly. Um, like, yeah, really, really like the fumbly. Um, anywhere you'd recommend for brunch or dinner in Ireland or Dublin? Uh, there's loads of places I'd, I'd, I'd go uh, I'd go on occasion, but the place I go most regularly is Cornucopia. I think it's really, really nice. Simple. It's nice. It's great for vegetarian, it's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you always feel good coming out of there. Always feel like, good coming out. And there's just a lovely vibe. Yeah. It feels like you're walking into your auntie's home. Yeah, um, I have really nice aunties. <laughs> Um, Jamie, it's been a pleasure. Where can people find you or stay connected? Uh, I am just at Jamie White on YouTube or Instagram. So connect in with me there. And actually, if anybody's watching this, I would love to hear your feedback. I always just think it's really interesting. What impression, as I said, the introductions at the start are always like whatever, but it's so interesting after you've heard somebody speak for an hour, what, what impression you've got. So, uh, I'd love to hear feedback.
Well, we look forward to the feedback and Jamie White, it's been a pleasure and thank you so much again. My pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks so much. Pleasure.